Um, so I, I want to go ahead and, and uh, talk a little bit about our vision as a church, our vision. Um, over the past uh, 16 years or so, personally, I've enjoyed um, just how the Lord and I communicate. Specifically, when it comes to ministry, God has been very clear um, in speaking to me. Uh, 2012, um, I heard the voice of God uh, when I was on a 21-day fast. Um, Day 10, I was seeking the Lord for clarity about what he was calling me to do. And so when I say I heard the voice of God, I don't mean an audible voice, but just the clarity in my heart. And so let me encourage you, you can, you can begin to hear the voice of God two ways. It's, it's uh, two sides of the same coin, two ways. Uh, one is scripture. Um, so it's getting into the Bible. And anytime you read the Bible, you approach it with an open heart. You approach it with a heart of faith. And you ask the Lord to speak to you. Lord, speak to me. Make this clear. Um, the psalmist says, reveal to me um, the revelation that is in your instruction. So sometimes you can read the Bible, but you don't get it or you don't catch what God is really trying to say because you haven't asked him to make it clear. So one way to hear God is to read the scripture. Another way to hear from the Lord is prayer, mm-hmm. prayer, um, concentrated, focused, daily prayer. I mean, every day you must pray every day. I'd encourage you to pray in the morning. And so once you build that foundation, God will begin to speak to you clearly throughout the day. He'll begin to tell you what to do, when to do, where to go. But you got to be in the Bible and you got to be in prayer. So in 2012, I heard the, God, the Lord tell me, I've called you into ministry. I, don't know, I know you don't know what this looks like, but I've called you into ministry. Then in 2015, I heard the voice of God at Gaithersburg High School say, this is the city. That same piece I got in 2012 hit me in 2015 over that uh, track in the football field. He said, this is the city. And then in, in 2018, we were turning out of Ikea. I remember it was a cloudy day, and uh, we were probably getting some stuff for the church. Turning out of Ikea onto, uh, I think, 495 to head back home. Cloudy day and a lot of traffic. And the Lord said, um, he said, I've called Highlight Church to cover Maryland. I've called Highlight Church to cover this state, the entire state of Maryland. And then I got this vision of light bulbs all across the state, all across the state. And then this thought, I don't know if this is from the Holy Spirit, but this thought hit me 2020. What would it look like for our church to have 20 locations across the entire state of Maryland by the year of 2040? And so, but it excited me. And I felt the weight of that in a good way, but it also excited me because it gave me something to shoot after for the next 20 years of my life. Like God is saying, lock into this thing because I'm going to reach hundreds of thousands of people through Highlight Church. And um, so he was pretty much saying, don't give up. This is not surprising to me because one of Jesus's prayers in the Lord's Prayer, you'll find it in Matthew 6. Verse 10, he says this here. Watch this. He says, may your kingdom come soon. He is talking to the Father while the disciples were around, teaching them to pray. May your will be done, here it is, on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come soon. 
may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a will of God that's in heaven. And unless there are healthy churches in the world, watch this, the will of God is stuck in heaven. And so this is what I've come to find out is that the local church is the vehicle of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. The local church is the vehicle of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. And so, um, and the local church is composed of you and I. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, the word church literally means called out ones who gather in the name of Christ. So we're gathered here. We've been called out of the world for just a moment. We're gathered here. Me and you, you and I, we're the vehicle of the kingdom of heaven in the earth. And uh, when you're studying scripture, there's something called the law of first mentions. Someone say first mentions. And this is whenever you see something in the Bible in its purest form. And so like when God created the world in Genesis, that was God's initial plan for mankind was to thrive and to be free and to prosper and to multiply and to be strong aside from sin and aside from uh, uh, all the treachery that came from disobedience in the garden. Uh, God's intent for mankind is found there pre-fall. And his intent has never changed. And this is why he sent Jesus for you and I. But when you see a first mention, you see the intention of God in a matter. So the term church was first mentioned by Jesus, watch this, in Matthew 16, verse 18. That's the first time you hear the term church. Jesus created the term church. And so when he first mentions the church, he also reveals his intention for the church. And this is what he says about you and I, those of you who, those of us who are linked in and connected into the kingdom of heaven. He says this here, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the first mention of the church. It wasn't that the church was going to be burdensome. The church was going to be judgmental. The church was going to kick out unchurched people. The church was going to be um, um, corrupt. It was none of that. When the founder of the church first mentioned the church, the intention of the church was to be an unstoppable, uh, growing force, impacting the world, getting people to Jesus, changing everything in its path as it went. That was the intention of the local church. Um, and so we, we just, we see this in, in, in when Jesus mentions it. And the gates of hell will not prevail. The word hell means death. The word death means separation. Jesus was saying that the powers of separation will not break down the church. At least it's not supposed to. But he was calling for us to be unified and to be unstoppable and to take ground for the kingdom of heaven as Satan has taken ground. He's calling us to take back ground from the kingdom of darkness as we grow and as we move forward. So it stands to reason why the Lord would give a vision so big and so vast, 20 locations by 2040. And the vision is, is that uh, there would be a highlight church within 15 to 20 minutes of anyone who would like to attend. So maybe you live by Rockville, but you want to serve at Gaithersburg. Maybe you live in Frederick, but you want to serve in Mount Airy. You're able to go wherever. Maybe you, you live in D.C., but you want to attend Highlight Church in Bethesda. 
15 to 20 minutes within. The church today is 1,900, if you're taking notes, and 88 years old. It is the oldest entity in recent history. It has outlasted kingdoms, empires, nations, administrations, social justice organizations. The church still stands because he said that the gates of hell won't prevail. Death won't take it out. Death has taken out Rome. Death has taken out a lot of entities and organizations and people, but not the church. Because when Jesus declares a thing, it shall be so. And so if I'm going to attach myself to anything, may it be what God is building, not what man is building. Come on now. Not what man is building. There's no hope in that. There's no longevity in that. There's no eternity in that. Give you a little church history. So Jesus comes. He begins to gather 12 men, also including women. Women will be a part of that as well. And all of those miracles and powerful teachings that he, he did within a two-and-a-half to three-year time span, many would think that the church was about 20,000, 50,000, 100,000. But when he left the earth, the size of the church was 120 people. After all of that, healing and blessing and changing all those lives, he had 120 people. So it started small. Someone say small. small. It started small. And in the book of Zechariah, the Lord says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because now the Christian faith is the largest faith in the world. So Jesus understood that there was something there with these 120 people. The, Lord, the word says that he passed away. And on the third day, he resurrected. Forty days after he uh, resurrected, he ascended into heaven. Ten days after the ascension, he sends the Holy Spirit. And the church is born. And so you're going to find the story of the first century church in the book of Acts. What, what I want to do is I want to take us to Acts chapter 4 and show us how the church was moving. Show us how momentous the church was. And we're going to go here right now. Acts 4. Verse 32. Y'all okay? Yes. says this here. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned, here it is, watch this, was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. This is the face of the church. This is, so here it is. This is the, the expression of the first mention of the church. Because you can say a thing, but what does it look like? So this is what the church is supposed to look like. There are no needy people among them. The preachers were preaching about the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. They were all united in heart. They were all united in mind. They all had one vision. That was to get Jesus into the world, right? And so this is what the church is supposed to look like. Watch this here. It says there were no needy people because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And it says this here, for instance, there was Joseph. The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. 
Verse 37 in conclusion. He sold the field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So we see that the church is unified. There is provision. There is growth. The Bible even says the blessing of God rests on the church. There is nothing that the church, you all, us, there is nothing that we could not do in that first century because the hand of God was on the church. But I need you to catch something that's so important. What we see in the text is that there was strong financial involvement. Strong financial involvement. Men and women were selling homes and fields and businesses and bringing the money and putting it at the pastor's, putting it at the pastor's feet because there was health and it was power and there was fruit and they were willing to risk everything to see more people get to heaven. I want you to go ahead and write this down. Understand this about the vision of your local church, if you call this your church home, is that God's vision for my church is of great value. God's vision for my church, if this is your church, say my church. My church church is of great value. And when we speak of value here, we're, we're talking about monetary worth. It is of great monetary worth. I was having a meeting with the staff the other day and just expressing to them that the vision of our church, 20 locations in 20 years, as the rate of inflation will continue to increase and as things will continue to become more expensive over time, just naturally. Wages will rise as well, but just naturally. I'm almost certain that our vision is about a $1 billion vision. Someone say church is not cheap. Church is not cheap. cheap. Are we in the house today? (laughs) Y'all was like, I like this power and this growth. Give me some of that. It's like, er, right turn, finances. (laughs) I remember when we were... um, we had, we had just stepped out of real life, uh, a church of 3,000, and uh, we had become a church of three. And um, it was Chris, Pastor Kyron, myself. And we had a couple hundred dollars in the account, and we had a, a lunch with uh, Pastor Chow and Chrisia. And at the end of that lunch, they slid an envelope across the table, and what they the check that was in that envelope was seven times as much as what we had in the account. And um, what it did was it, it, it strengthened our faith to, to know and to believe that what God was up to was real. Um, but it also showed me that Christians do have the ability, the capacity, the spiritual gift to be generous. Like, extremely generous. And, and what they did was not unbiblical, as we just read. And so, what we all need to do, the Lord told me, he said, with the, this two-week mini-series, I want you to turn it into a big living room. Because uh, before we moved, we met in my mother-in-law's living room. And we talked and we dreamed and we talked about Maryland, even though we were in Florida and what, what, what the Lord was going to do. And we tithe and we brought the offering and we prayed and we strategized and we brought culture and we were developing leaders. And uh, we, we have some, some original gangsters a part of the room now. We have Anissa who's been with us since day one. Can we give it up for Anissa? Um, and, and I'm going to tell you how beautiful this is. Um, Anissa, when we moved here, she became an original superhero. 
still serving God today, and she met her husband two years later, who is Francie, come on now, in the house of God. And um, it's something to be said about being planted in the house, being generous, being consistent, advancing the kingdom. You never know who you're going to meet, right? But they call us now the hopping generation. So how would you ever know or discover the possibilities of what God can do if you're hopping from church to church? And that, that preacher preaches the way I want, but the worship sucks. And the worship sucks. That preacher preaches. They don't. Groups and uh, outreach. Uh, you, we got to stop being so picky and ask the Lord, where have you called me to be? I'm going to obey that. And that's, that's where the blessing is. And... Um, and so what I love about Acts and even the trans using them in as, as an example is that they were running full speed in terms of financial involvement. They're running full speed. But in order to run, you got to walk. And in order to walk, you got to take that first step. Yes. And statistics show that many believers, if, you, if you're not a believer, I'm not talking to you. If this is not your church home, I'm not talking to you. But if you call this your church home and you're a believer, the stats show that majority of Christians have not taken that first step in being financially involved in the church that's feeding them and blessing them and adding strength to their lives. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a stat out there that says um, 1.5 million out of 247 million Christians um, in, 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 in America, people who claim to be, I think it's like 247, I didn't write it down, but it was 1.5 million out of 240 million Christians um, give consistently. 1.5 million out of 240 million. And out of the 1.5 million, majority only give $17 a week on average. By the end of the year, that's $884. I've been around long enough to see people give that normally. There are people in this church who give $1,000 every week, $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month, and they're carrying the weight. They're carrying the weight. And that is abnormal. That is abnormal of a Christian to not be generous, to not take care of the house of God. And I get that there is some, some, you know, abuse and corruption. But when you found a healthy place, when you know that the fruit is good, it, it doesn't have to be highlighted. It can be wherever. You ought to be investing there. Amen. You ought to be given there. So today I want to talk about that first step. I want to talk about the tithe. I want to talk about the tithe. And uh, whenever I study, I study what the Bible says. Because what God says matters, correct? Yes. Not what mom said, not what dad and mom did. I was raised in a tipping house. We would come to the house of God, and I was shown how to tip. You can't have gum, but here's a peppermint, and uh, put these 2 or $3 in the plate. But what I didn't know was that the word of God said that I was under a curse, that I was limited because I wouldn't bring the tithe. So when I learned God's word and what he said, I started to obey him above what was taught to me. Okay? And so let's talk about the tithe. The tithe means here, first tenth. If you're taking notes, first tenth, first tenth. Someone say first tenth. tenth. Yes. And so I want to encourage you with five big thoughts on the tithe 
and giving to the house of the Lord. I want to encourage you, number one, to return the tithe to the Lord. There are two options you have when it comes to the tithe, according to Scripture. You either return it or you steal it. You either return it or you steal the tithe, both knowingly and unknowingly. And it says this in Leviticus 27:30. It says, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. All right, so, so I know that was an agrarian society or culture, but harvest just simply means this. It means wages you receive for the work you've done. So today that would be your check every other week. The Bible says that 10% of that belongs to God. So simple math. If you make $1,000, 100 off the top belongs to God. If I have a stack of $100 bills and it equals 1,000, that first 100 belongs to the Lord. Right. And many people will say, well, we're not under that covenant anymore. Mm. And I would say you're wrong because the tithe, the principle of the tithe predates Mosaic law. Right. As a matter of fact, it's found in the garden. It's found in the first family. Abel brought his first to God. We don't even know if it was a tithe. I think it was more than 10%. But he brought his first to God. And the Bible says that it was blessed. Someone say blessed. Blessed. It was blessed. Cain brought some to God. So Cain brought what he thought he could afford to bring to God. And the Bible says that God did not accept it. So God's blessing was not on the tip His blessing was on the first tenth, the tithe, okay? And so, um, once again, this this is the word of God. Don't get mad at me. We're just trying to build a church to reach a lot of people and get a lot of people to heaven. Okay, number two. All right. I could bring Pastor Chow back up here. He's nicer. I know. I tell tell them all the time when they speak, you have no right to rebuke, okay? I do all the correction. Let me take the arrows. Y'all get the love, okay? All right. All right. So the first tenth belongs to God. Someone say belongs to God. God. All right. Number two, I want to encourage you to give to the Lord through your local church. Give to the Lord through your local church. Get financially involved. I love this verse in Hebrews. Powerful verse. Watch this. Listen with your heart, okay? This is the word of God. Watch this. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So once again, two sides of the same coin. So I'm, I'm giving my offering to pastors ministers, deacons, leaders who die. But when I'm doing that, what's actually going on is a spiritual transaction. The Bible says I'm actually giving to Jesus. So what you're doing isn't just a, uh, I'm doing it because they say I have to. Listen, you don't have to. There's a story that follows um, even further in Acts 4 where there's this couple this is New Testament yes. grace covenant. This, this is like Jesus died for sin. Yes. But watch this. If you keep reading, go home and read it. Acts chapter 4. Um, these people, bring, we just read it. Keep reading. Ananias and Sapphira, the Bible says in the New Testament, under the blood of Christ, that these people sold land and brought a part of it to the apostles. 
And they lied and said, this is all of the money that we got from selling the house. And Peter, the Holy Spirit, fills Peter. And Peter says, you didn't. He said, listen, (laughs) I'm but a man. You don't got a lot of me. Your giving is between you and God. I'm, I'm just here to kind of manage it and steward it and get people, you know what I mean? Like he said, you ain't got a lot of me, but because you lied, you're going to drop dead right where you stand. Yeah. Read it. And they died. The Bible says uh, his, his wife showed up. <laughs> I was reading it last night. It's a great reading. And it's like um, they asked her. She was like, um, yeah, that was all the money from what we sold. He said, look. He said, it, it was yours to keep. It was yours to give. He said, but the young men who are waiting out the door, <laughs> they go take you out just like your husband. This is, this is the apostles. And she dropped dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so all I'm saying is, is you can't carry this mindset of I have to give. Right. You don't have right. to give. Right. You get to give. Yeah. You get to give. You don't have to. You don't have to. But I'd encourage you to go home and pray about it and ask yourself, did did my parents give? Did they tithe? Are they always under financial duress? And I'm going to tell you that the root of it was that they didn't trust the Lord and they didn't put them first. Your tithe belongs to your church home. How do I know what's my church home? Um, here it is. If you write, write notes, where are you being fed? Where are you being encouraged? Where are you being developed? Where are you serving? That's your home. Okay. And it strengthens the work of the Lord through that church. You're, you're right now sitting on a chair that someone paid for. You're breathing in air that someone is paying for. Those kids back there are receiving the gospel because someone paid for that environment. Now that you know it, and now that you see it in the word of God, you get some skin in the game. You build the kingdom. Are y'all here? Come on, church. Get some skin in the game. Some skin in the game. What does strong financial involvement look like? Well, it builds homes in Nicaragua, in Myanmar. Uh, we're sending a group uh, next week on our anniversary. I, I, I feel like in the spirit, God is saying, you guys are going international when you yeah. turn six. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be building homes and sharing the gospel, building houses for families because of your generosity. What does it look like? It looks, it looks like we're, we're starting new churches across the world through ARC, the Association of Related Churches. We've, we've give, given thousands of dollars to the ARC for over five years now, and they are starting new churches everywhere across America and across the world. They say it's the most powerful way to reach unbelievers is to start a new church in a new city. And as soon as you start a new church, poverty, this is statistically true. I'm going to bring this clear at 1045. I didn't write it down. But poverty decreases where there are new churches. And so we're starting new churches all around the world with art. What does strong financial involvement look like? Well, it looks like future highlight church locations all across Maryland. Don't hoard this blessing. Don't hoard this community. Let's get this out into new cities, new places, new places. 
You have a heroin uh, 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 deal going on. We have suicide running rampant, divorce, abuse running rampant. Uh, the, the world is going crazy. We need more healthy churches across this great, this great nation and across the world. Number three, tithing declares that the Lord is the source of all blessing and success. When you tithe, you're saying, God, you're the source of all blessing and success. It says this here first. I love the heart of David. Watch this. He says this here as they're building the temple. He was investing into building the temple. It says this here, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. <laughs> it's my money. No, it's not. David said, everything we have comes from you. That's right. That's right. That business, that degree, mm-hmm. those clothes, that breath, it all, the, the, the child we prayed for and we conceived when we couldn't conceive, I got to bring that all, yes. all to you. And, and what we're saying when we tithe is we're saying, God, the home comes from you and, and the finances come yes. from you and my strength comes from yes. you. Number four, tithing is the greatest expression of my trust in the Lord. Tithing is the greatest expression of my trust in the Lord. Jesus said, for man cannot serve uh, two masters, cannot serve money and God. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Mm. Trust. Someone say trust. 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 So we're not going to trust in the economy. Some of, let me ask you, where is your trust? Don't answer it too soon. Because when times get tough. When times get tough, do, do you fall into depression? Do you stop serving? Do you stop giving? Do you stop praying for others when your bank account's low? All of that will show you where your trust is. Do you decrease your tithe? I remember we, we, were, we were given at 11%, $55 every time we got paid. But we would do our budget, and we knew every single pay period we were going into the negative. We knew it, negative 200, negative 325, negative 150. But there was something in us that said, trust, trust God. Trust God. Please don't trust in your 401k. D- don't trust in your, your wife or your spouse. They got, they got a good job and I'm, I'm taking care of the house. Don't tr- their health could fail tomorrow. You trust in the Lord. You bring the tithe to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Jason, come close me out. You trust in God. Number five, I want to encourage you with this. Honor the Lord and he will honor you. Honor the Lord and he will honor you. The Bible says this, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Someone says the word. Say the word. The word. This is the word of God, not me. The word of God says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
Honor the Lord and he will honor you. I want to read a, 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 a praise report from uh, a leader who's been here now, I think since 2017. Uh, I could be wrong, somewhere around 2017, 2018. And they sent in a praise report a few weeks ago. And we asked them, could we share this? We're going to keep their name anonymous, but uh, they gave us the green light. Um, because at the end of every year, we do our annual offering. And so I want to be, begin to prepare our hearts right now for that offering. It's going to be December the 11th. Don't, don't pull that up yet. We'll, we'll revisit that here in a minute. But December the 11th, 2022. And the offering is above and beyond the tithe. So today, I want you to put on the training wheels of generosity and trust. That's the tithe. But by December the 11th, I want you to be riding without those training wheels. Because you're going to become a tither. Because we got to lift this this curse off of you. Malachi says, um, bring all the tithes. He says, you're under a curse. Bring all the tithes. And he says, I'm going to pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. You can't, you can't even hold it. And I love the language. The verse is in there, but he says, bring all the tithes, and I'm going to pour out a blessing. So watch this. Every time you tithe, heaven pours out a blessing. And it's not always financial. Um, but I, I love this story because it's a real story, real person. So... Let's read it. They say here, last year God laid on my heart, here it is, during Giving Sunday, so our offering Sunday last year, to give the amount of what I get in one paycheck. So she gave an entire paycheck, okay? I was really hesitant at first because that was so much bigger than an amount I'd given to a church at one time. But I was believing for him to move in my job and in my future career as I gave it. I've enjoyed this year the most other than the first year when I was hired for the job four years ago. And the bonus I received this week, so sometimes it takes time. This was two weeks ago. The bonus I received this week was greater than what I gave last year in my big offering. It's been amazing to see the move of God as a result of being obedient in giving. That's another thing about the tithe, guys. It's not a matter of faith. The tithe is a command. You obey it. You obey it. She says, obedient. I'm thankful to be in a place where God can bless me, and I can share that blessing back to others through his house. Blessing is always the result of honoring God with the tithes and the offerings. And so I want to give you two quick action steps because I'm trying to practice for these four experiences. I got to get you out of here. Number one, you're going to commit to tithing. I encourage you to commit to tithing. If you have a job, if you have an eight to five or career, commit to tithing. Start today. And it doesn't have to be highlight. But wherever you're getting fed, start tithing today. This is between you and God. Not not me, not highlight church. (laughs) It's between you and the Lord. He wants to honor you. He wants to bless you. And I want to encourage you with this. Become a tither for the rest of your life. May it be said by your grandchildren that grandma and grandpa were tithers. They built the house of God. Okay? May it be said of you. And then number two, I want you to prepare. 
Well, to pray, prepare, and participate in the vision offering on Sunday, December the 11th. Go ahead and write this down. Good. Don't forget the date. We got more souls to save. Yes. We got more children to feed. We got more homes to build. Yes. Prepare for that vision offering. Pray. Ask the Lord, what will you have me to give? I'm not going to tell you an amount. Ask God. Move around whatever you have to move around. People go big on vision offering Sunday, and you see the result. You see the testimony. Let's build the church.